All right, so this is Alex here on the show floor of PAX East 2020. I am here with the creator of Tunic, uh, a game being published by Finji. Uh, and you, your name is Andrew Shouldis. Shouldis, yeah. Shouldis. Uh, and uh, so how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Like I was saying, uh, I've managed to have lunch all three days of the show so far, which I'm feeling pretty good about. It's really easy to forget about all of the basic needs of anything while you're on the show floor. It's like time dilation and uh, who knows. So. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's a five minutes past and six hours have passed and you've forgotten to drink water. But, you know, the, our booth is actually set up really well. We've got like an infinite supply of water and electrolytes and snacks and things. So we're, we're getting by okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Finji's, Finji's been to tons of different PAX events, right? So they know how to, how to come to a show. So, all right. So, um, Tunic is great. We talked about it. We've been doing kind of recaps at the end of each day. And back in 2018, we came to play Tunic. We loved it. We thought it was awesome. Um, so it's awesome to come and get another chance to play it. But um, I just wanted to kind of ask you in terms of like, uh, Tunic has lots of Zelda and kind of Fez vibes. Uh, are there any other like uh, non-obvious inspirations or things that you've, you've brought into Tunic when you've made it that maybe people wouldn't notice at first glance. Yeah, Zelda's definitely one of them that people look at and they say, oh, you know, you're wearing a green little thing, and you've got a sword, you're running around, chopping down bushes. This is a Zelda game. But then when people sit down and play it, yeah, they see the language. There's this runic language that's all over the world. It's in the UI. It's in on signs and things like that. And they say, oh, is this like a Fez reference? And uh, then, yeah, well, sometimes people will play it and, and they'll notice, hey, it's got... Uh, dodge and there's a block and there's a stamina meter and that enemy didn't flinch but this one did is there like a poise system and uh, yes there is and so they start to make this sort of more technical combat comparisons um, it's you know it's a little bit snappier than your like souls games but that's something that people come back to and as far as other influences go I've come to realize like hey there's a lot of um, like castle in the sky you know that that movie yeah uh, it's got a little bit of that sort of you know arriving in a strange place not really knowing what's going on and finding you know strange machine creatures covered in moss that come to life mm -hmm. that sort of jazz it's really about exploring a place where you feel like you don't belong okay so uh, you, you talked about the, the language and these kind of glyphs uh, that, that you see around the world. And there's a certain point in the demo where you walk up to a slip of paper. And if you look at it, it's got kind of the controller and it's basically the controls of the game. So are there ways in which you're trying to, um, like clearly there are like Rosetta Stones and touch points where you're meant to be able to maybe start and understand things. But are you trying to kind of play with people's conceptions of how reading things in a game work and what you're supposed to learn from them. Is that is that kind of intentional for what you're doing here? Yeah, absolutely. Part of that, feeling like you don't belong, feeling like you're transgressing. Uh, one of the ways that we're trying to convey that is with this strange language that you don't understand. And yeah, you as you go through the world, you'll find instruction manual pages, like NES-style instruction manual pages, for the game that you're playing. And it doesn't look like an NES game, uh, visually, but there's a little bit of that. I don't know if you ever got like a Japanese import or, or me playing a game when you know I'm like two years old and I don't know how to read. I was like, I don't understand how any of this works. I'm flipping through this manual and seeing the pictures on the screen, but it's mostly baffling. 
And capturing that feeling of mystery, I think, is something that is really special to a lot of people, myself included, you know, feeling like, oh, anything could happen because I don't understand the rules of this place. But I, I, there, there are images on this and a bunch of text that I can't read. I don't know. It's exciting. Interesting. So, so I, I understand if you don't want to speak too much about, you know, am I, am I ever going to understand this language or that type of thing? But are players meant to kind of try to cross-reference items and try to kind of like figure out anything that they can about this language? I don't think that's necessary. If someone plays through the game and is able to, like occasionally there's a little bit of localizable text, like English text, for instance, in the game. So if you're looking through it, you might, you're probably going to be able to figure out what's going on. And as long as you've got that sense of mystery, no, you don't need to, you don't need to decipher anything. It's not that kind of game. Uh, but who knows? Maybe there's some rhyme or reason to it. I don't know. It's All a mystery right. to me. A, very, a, a nice answer. I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, so... Um, since we last came to see the game at PAX East 2018, Tunic was featured on the stage at the Xbox press conference at E3. How, how did it feel to see your game up there? Was it, oh my god, I've, I've gotten there, my, my game's up there, or was it like, oh, there's people with expectations now and they want to see my game? How did you feel about it? Uh, definitely both. It was it was a surreal experience to be sure because we had obviously put a huge amount of preparation into putting together the trailer, you know, and Power Up was doing audio for it, and Terrence Lee, the composer, uh, Lifeformed, was creating this bespoke custom track to go on the trailer, and so we've been working away at this thing, but none of us had been to dress rehearsal because of just when we flew into Los Angeles, and so we're just there sitting, waiting, every time the screen goes black, we're like, is this it? And then it happens, and I remember just like gripping the size of the chair. Uh, and of course, it like everybody seemed really receptive, and it was an absolutely wonderful experience. But yeah, there is that, wow, this is real. People are seeing this thing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and then we needed to get up and slip out of the back, because we had to do meetings immediately after. Of course. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of an incredible experience. And then, of course, I also didn't know that Phil Spencer up at the front was going to give a shout out to my hometown, yeah. uh, which was wild. Yeah, that was a. I just melted into ooze instantly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so speaking of the expectations of, of being on a stage that big, I was trolling through your, the Finji Discord and looking at the, the Tunic channel, and it's littered with people asking you, when's the game coming out? So I'm not going to do that to you. But I wanted to know, what is, are there any ways in which people who are fans of the game that would love to ask you that question and have an answer could instead show you support in, in your, your development of the game, your continued development of the game? Uh, well, if, uh, if you want to come by to an event like PAX or whatever and I'm around, absolutely come up and chat. I love to talk to people. But if you want to sign up for the mailing list at tunicgame.com, you can do that. You can wishlist it. And uh, hey, you can even join the Discord if you want to chat. We're all really friendly there on the Finji Discord. Yeah, it looked like a great place just to come and talk about what's going on. You hop in and give little updates here and there. So. Uh, and it'll be cool to check out some of the other channels that are in there as well for the other games that, that Finji's got going on. But speaking of Finji, so uh, as a publisher, what kind of support do you get from them? I, I went to the panel uh, yesterday that uh, Becca Saltzman was on about uh, how to make a game or how making a game. And it seemed like Finji offers a much more, I, I want to say hands-on uh, experience as a publisher rather than just handing over money and saying, I hope you have a game in six months. How, how's your relationship with, with Finji and how have they helped you? I think my relationship with Finji is best 
like explained with the like the history of the the relationship and I we, we don't need to go into like comprehensive details or anything but it started out as like Adam and Becca at Finji are not just publishers they are mentors to just a huge number of people all across the industry indie or otherwise and so when I was first making this game and like oh how do I get funding what do I do is this a good pitch I reached out to them I'm like hey what do you think of this and they gave me, you know, design insights and, you know, helped me figure out what I needed to do money-wise. And just talking to them over the years, you know, we became friends. And eventually it was like, we should, we should publish your game. And I'm like, yeah, you should publish this game. <laughs> like, it just made total sense. And that is, that's a testament to their, there's no such thing as a Finji game that is not sort of like a part of the Finji family. If that makes sense, like everyone there is super wonderful, and it just feels more like collaborators as opposed to you know like faceless money machine that demands milestones or whatever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're super great. Um, Adam and Becca and everyone there is just ex exactly the sort of thing that this game needs. That's awesome. Yeah, she she mentioned that their focus at Finji isn't so much to. Um, make your game more fingy, but to find the most tunic version of tunic and that type of thing. So it sounds like that's a great fit for you. Um, in terms of being an Xbox console launch exclusive, has there been much interaction with Microsoft on that other than like the, the E3 stage? Do you, are you, you know, working through certain things like that with them? I've, like that might be down the road a little bit or whatever, but how, how is that relationship as, as the developer? Uh, Microsoft is great. Um, I had lunch with Microsoft yesterday. So yeah, we're, uh, again, it's the same sort of thing where it's like we're talking, we're communicating, we're having a good time and getting to know one another. And uh, in particular, like the E3 press conference for, you know, you hear horror stories sometimes about like, oh no, it's E3, it's the most stressful thing. It, and I feel like my first E3 experience by virtue of uh, Microsoft was, um, just like the most luxurious, we were in an air-conditioned room, we were doing these behind-closed-doors meetings, uh, and it was absolutely wonderful, and uh, yeah, so it's been super great to work with them. Um, they're very supportive, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to get it on Xbox. That's awesome, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play it on Xbox. So another one of the themes around a lot of the panels here for people who are starting to make games is one of the, um, being able to manage your work-life balance. So as an independent creator, uh, a developer and somebody who you know uh, has has a hand in all aspects of tunic. Uh, how, what do you do to kind of maintain that? You don't have to go into like personal specifics, but uh, just kind of how do you make sure that you are not drilling away at this game for twenty hours a day and getting four hours of sleep and no food? Uh, I so I think as advice to anybody who's doing this sort of thing, it is to take careful measurement of your own internal cycles you know when are you most creative when are you when have you been working too long on something and I use my own methods for doing that that involves you know like logging the time that I spend on something and the categories of things and that's really helpful because you can look back and see not only the work that you've been doing but where you've been like I, I sometimes say that I get I'll get stuck in a vortex which is trying to polish something or solve a problem and not really making any progress and uh, at that point, it's like, oh, it's, I can see that I've been working on it for this much time. I should switch to something else. I should move off of that and focus on a different aspect of it and come back to the original problem with, you know, a fresh mind, uh, some extra details about the problem, that sort of thing. So I think taking care of yourself, you know, if you're feeling frustrated, making sure, like, 
Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Are my toes cold? Have I not had a shower yet? You know, all these things, you know, take care of yourself, especially with, uh, I mean, teams of all sizes, but when you're working with yourself really often, it's a, you're your own um, human resources department, right? You got to check in with yourself and be like, how am I doing? Okay, let's keep going or let's take a break or whatever. Yeah, that's all. I, I know that there's, uh, there's apps and things out there that are meant to remind people to drink more water and stuff like that. So... It's clearly, there's tools out there for all different people that need different things in that type of situation. So, um, I know that uh, Tunic is is being um, uh, assembled in Unity. Is that correct? Uh, what's been one of the more frustrating things about working in Unity as a game developer? Hmm. Frustrating things about Unity. I don't want to say frustrating necessarily, but because the game has been in development for a little while now, uh, moving between versions is always something that is uh, a, uh, a thing that I, I put off for as long as possible. Because, you know, there's, you know I'm, I'm using a lot of like, uh, built-in lighting technology uh, underneath the custom stuff that's built on top of it. And so, you know, making sure that you know, things don't fundamentally change when a version update happens, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, other than that, it's, I think Unity is a great tool. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there are, there are plenty of other engines out there that are doing sort of the, the same thing that Unity started doing all those years ago, which was saying, and there's a lot of boilerplate type stuff that you might not want to worry about, especially when you're making a multi-platform game, just get in there and start writing your code as opposed to the, you know, everybody, all, all, the, all the stuff that you would have to do otherwise. So is there anything, I don't know if you um, started on anything originally, have you always been working in Unity? For Tunic? Uh, for Tunic, yes. I thought, I thought you were going to ask if I've always been using Unity since the beginning. I was like, <laughs> no, it's QBasic on my 386 back in the day. I mean, who knows? Maybe I was working on something then that has some sort of like cognitive lineage to this project right now. So maybe I've been working on this game my whole life. Who knows? Well, I mean, in the sense that all of us are working towards something, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess the only other question that I had in terms of, of Tunic... Um, Obviously, you're very focused on developing the game as it is. You want it to be fun on the first playthrough. Is there anything that you feel like... Do you feel the game will be rewarding on like a second playthrough or subsequent playthroughs for those who you know really want to dig into it? Absolutely. That is one of the things that we want to do with this game is to have things that are... Uh, you know the term hard gate, where if you, you need, you know, you need the key to go through the door. That's a hard gate. Uh, you need the whatever the bombs to blow up the wall. It's a hard gate. If you have a softer gate, that might be one like, oh wait, that this item helps, but it's not strictly necessary. We want to encourage situations where on subsequent playthroughs, people will say, hey, wait a second, I know this secret technique that will let me bypass this, or I know that there's a secret passage here. I can go this way instead. And so you might, you know, play Tunic the second time and say, you know what, I'm going to do what was the fourth area, I'm going to do that one first, just to see how it goes. You know, I really like the idea of people, I mean, you know, back to the theme of the game, I like the idea of people being able to bumble around and stumble into something that they're really not ready for, because <laughs> that's a powerful, exciting feeling. Yeah, I, I, went, I went back with the sword when I grabbed the sword. I went back to kind of the beginning where you are, and I just meandered off to the right, and there were these, like, reaper-looking guys with guns that were just ready to destroy me, so it... it it feels like you can get yourself into trouble really quick if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, 
But yeah, I, I think uh, Tunic's fantastic. I'm excited to check it out. Are, are you excited to see um, people running it at Games Done Quick in like 45 minutes in the future? Is that something that you're looking forward to? That sounds like it would. That would be incredible. Yes, <laughs> actually, the uh, the sound designer on the game, Kevin Regami, is a speedrunner himself. Uh, and so he is, he's the sort of person that I'll give a build to and he'll send me a screenshot where he's got the fox standing on top of a pillar and I'm like, you're not supposed to be able to get there. Uh, yeah, so he, we've got like a speedrunner's eye on this thing for sure. So I don't know, hopefully, you know, I don't know, it might be at GDQ sometime. That'd be awesome. All right, well, thank you very much, Andrew. It's very nice to talk with you. Thank you for taking the time to come talk with me. Uh, our door is always open if you ever want to come chat with us. So I appreciate it very much. Fantastic. Thanks very much.